Hey guys, I forgot to turn on the recording at the beginning of Bible study, um, but we're going to show a video from a guy named Ray Hughes, who is a big influence in my life and um, just a great Bible teacher. He focuses on a lot of worship stuff and kind of makes a lot of your life about your being your worship for the Lord um, in, in, in a lot of his stuff. Tonight we're going to read uh, we're going to open up in First uh, Samuel and second, beginning of Second Samuel. He's going to cover um, the story of Hannah. Um, this this series is about you know what God did through David, but he starts the story of David with Hannah, who is the mother of Samuel, um, who finds David later on. So it, jump right in. We missed the first few minutes of him going through um, the first chapter of Samuel. Um, I could recap that for you better in person if you need that. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to leave this here and then we'll pick up where the sound bite starts. Have a good day. And taunts Hannah to the point of immediately she feels so insecure. She feels so uh, devalued. She feels like because to be a barren woman... To be a barren woman in Israel in those days were, was an incredible weightiness upon the soul and, and identity and everything else. Everything about your life could be controlled by, by loss like that. Every, everything could be controlled by your greatest desire. But it feeling like your greatest desire is your greatest loss. And, uh, but here, uh, th this, and this desire uh, for a child was also robbing her of, her of worship. But Elkanah didn't go there. You know what he did? Elkanah, it says that, yeah, he gave Penina portions. But see, Penina was more like, and I hate to say this, but Penina seemed to be a bit more like a, an incubator. Once a year, you know, Elkanah comes by and gives Hannah in the family way, and then, but then he goes and he lives relationally with Hannah because Hannah he loved. That's why he gave double portions. So you see where the love relationship was in that great that grace, which was Hannah, not the coral, which looked beautiful, but there was really no life in that. Uh, important point. And uh, and whenever the time came, they'll kind of make an offering. You'd see what he would do. But to Hannah, he loves her, even though the Lord had shut up her womb. Now look look what that looks like in. And an uh, application to us today, many times, you see these people that look so successful and so anointed and so gifted and so, they look so productive. But God is actually looking for the ones that he can live with, walk with, have interaction and relationship with, not one that just goes out and produces a bunch of activity and stuff and looks successful. I remember, I remember so many years ago, when, you know, I mean, we were... We were barely, you know, barely getting by on e in every arena of our lives and trying to do ministry and we're traveling all over the place and preaching in prisons four or five days a, a week and, and then hopefully the offering on the weekend would financially justify our even being out there. And, and, you know, small beginnings and tough times years ago. And then, you know, I'd go into some big church somewhere and take my guitar and I was there to be there next church service guy and and you know you just or these big conferences where you meet all, all these behind the scenes guys you know and oh man how you doing I, I haven't seen you in a year you know and you start uh, I'm doing all right how do you do oh, well man oh, glory to God we, we've got four campuses and now we've got 27 buses and we're on television and here we go and then you know then they turn it back to you kind of like Panana did to Hannah, you know, and then, you know, and, and how are you doing? And I'm thinking, well, you know, I, I got the brakes fixed on the van last week, so I think we're doing all right. And you just always feel like you qualify for the battle, but you never qualify for the blessing. And that must be how Hannah was feeling when suddenly she's being provoked, even to the point that she wept in her heart. She wept sore because of what she felt like was such deep inadequacy. But to, Hannah, uh, but to Hannah, he gave double portion. And her rival, look at this verse here, and her, and her rival provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had shut up her womb. Wow. 
Do you realize that productivity, God's looking for something deeper than productivity. He's looking for that intimacy and that interaction, that walking it out with him. And, uh, but you know, it's very easy to get discouraged and disappointed. And uh, we all do it on some level sometime. So it was year by year when she went to the house of the Lord, she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Now I'm gonna kind of just scoot on through this, but I wanted you to get the foundation of what was going on there. This is an incredibly deep thing that's going on in Hannah's life. Elkanah, Elkanah her husband, said to her, Hannah, there's no need for you to weep. Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why, why is your heart grieved so deeply? Now that shows us, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Well, okay, now, now let's look at something. Elkanah, you were kind of one of my heroes until now, but now it's kind of changed. Uh, there is no husband that will ever meet that deep place in a, in a woman uh, that, that, uh, to, to be fully alive to everything that she was created for. And in, that, and that, in those days, remember, it was not just some little cultural idiom. Uh, that it was, a, it was a deep sense of identity, belonging, and being. And so, so Hannah arose after they'd finished eating, drinking in Shiloh. She just, she just couldn't deal with it anymore. She just goes away. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in such bitterness of soul and she prayed to the Lord and she wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, Lord of hosts, if you will indeed just look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but you but will give your maidservant a man, this male child that she's crying out for. Um, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of my life and no razor shall come upon his head. Interesting, beautiful picture of the beginnings of the Nazarite priesthood where if you, Lord, if you'll just bring him into my life, bring a, that desired promise that I feel in my heart. If you'll just awaken who I am really created to be so that, I, that, so that disappointment and weeping will not keep me from worshiping you. Not only will I worship you, Lord, he will worship you. I will give him away as an expression of my worship all the days of his life. So you see how weighty this moment is. And out of that bitterness of soul as she was praying, and, and when she was crying out to the Lord, I, I love this, Eli was sitting there, and it happened as she was praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. One, one version says, marked her mouth. Like, what is she doing? What is she doing praying like that? Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but in the days of, all the way back in Genesis, in the days of Seth, it was where it said, and, and the man began to cry out to God. Man, but what crying out to God had become and prayer had become through all those old uh, great leaders of Israel, it was, oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. it was always liturgical and it was this big big grandiose kind of presentation of Lord, I, um, you know, this kind of thing it was pretty ritual based. And as these men would cry out to God, it was always with a big boisterous voice. But now you've got a woman sitting in the presence of the house of the Lord. And she is, first time you find that quietness of heart and grieving depth of the spirit, praying the way that she was praying. And uh, and so Eli, though he were though he were the priest, he didn't understand that kind of praying, dealing with that depth of of the soul. And so first thing he does is so Eli said, "How long will you, will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you." Well, I mean, how much discernment has this guy got? Uh, or, or maybe we should ask this question. How many drunks is he accustomed to dealing with in the church house? <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden he thinks she's drunk uh, because of the depth of what she's going through. But Hannah answered and said, no, no, you, you got it wrong. I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your, men, uh, your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. 
Eli said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away, ate, and her countenance lifted. And you know what happens next? They go. She's now carrying not so much a deep predicament of her soul, but now she's carrying a promise in her heart. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped. Worship restored. And out of restored worship, they returned, came to their house at Ramah. And I've been to this very place on this very hill. And this hill is incredibly, incredibly important to, the, to this journey that we're on in the life of David. There at their house at Ramah, uh, and, and that is where uh, um, Hannah would wind up living out her life. There's a, there's a mikvah there. There's a place where she would go and do the ritual baths before going unto worship unto the Lord. Um, they say, some archaeologists uh, told us that, that that's also where, where her grave is, there by her ritual bath. And Elkanah, their new Hannah, and his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And uh, I'll just tell you, when a husband knows their wife in that way, uh, nine months later, wow, there's something coming. If you're a Christian, uh, it's nine months later. If you're not a Christian, it's nine months anyway. Uh, so the point is purpose and destiny and creation and creativity and everything that God intended for the, birth, uh, for the, the birthing process to be was set in motion and set in place. So this beautiful sense of fulfillment began to come, to come to her life. So it came to pass in the process of the time that Hannah conceived, bore a son, through that process of time, all those wonderful stages that go through, and all of the things that happen in the spirit and the heart that goes through that process as well, they happen with Hannah. She gets to now experience what all of her friends and Penina and everybody else had experienced. So there, there began to be this sense of a future, not only for her, but for the one that was, that was sure to come. So Samuel saying, Hannah conceived, bore a son, and called his name Samuel. And Samuel is that beautiful picture of heard of God, uh, desired of God, um, and uh, so then Samuel comes. And when he came now, um, um, and now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Notice this, but Hannah didn't go. Now look at the security that you find in Elkanah here. But Hannah didn't go up. For she said to her husband, husband, now listen, this, these are days culturally that you didn't do this kind of thing. Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. That, that's kind of a neat thing when you see that uh, old religious thought and traditional cultural thought had to yield because there was a higher value being brought into uh, um, God's people a higher value system was about to be introduced. And um, that higher value was as a responsiveness out of, out of a, a prophetic occurrence that began to release greater prophecy, purposes through prayer. See all those things that are coming together? Out of her prayer where she wept, Amen. prophecy began to form. Mm. Purposes began to come fully alive and those who carried those purposes. And they would be the ones that God was bringing into the earth to position all of his people in a, in a posture of worship that they had never ever experienced before because the rituals of Shiloh and, the, and all of the things that went on in Shiloh there with the Ark of the Covenant and there with the Tabernacle of Moses and all of those things are now, this is one of the first times that you see there being I won't say devalued, but I will say those things are now about to be challenged in a beautiful way because God's about to begin to express himself outside of the rules and regulations and religious restrictions 
that had already been in place for so long. In other words, God's about to do a new thing. And for God to do a new thing, that means there's coming a new sound, a new song, a new language, a new system, if you will. Uh, a new day is, is dawning with the people of Israel. And it was not necessarily born out of one of the great oratory leaders, priests, offices. It was a simple gal named Hannah who had something so deep in her that her uh, intimacy uh, with God had, had, had brought all of this into a beautiful picture. And so Elkanah, in his strength and security, he says, I'll tell you what, just... You know, just do what do what seems best to you. I honor who you are, what you are, what you carry. I honor your 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 season of disappointment in proving faithful to be one that God would do something so different in. Some of you need to hear that. You know, you're carrying things in your life that really are, you know, seem to be your source of disappointment and and pain and loss and, and, and despair. But some of those things are just waiting for their time. Um, do what seems best to you. Wait till you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. God's speaking in ways that no other generation had ever heard. And he's coming into agreement with not only Hannah, but she, he is really, watch this, Elkanah, Elkanah is coming into agreement with what she is carrying, okay? Or what she carried. Then the woman uh, stayed and nursed her son until she weaned him. Now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls and an ephah of flour a, uh, and skin of wine brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh when the child was young. Some believed to be he was about eight years old at that point. Uh, they slaughtered a bull, brought the child to Eli, and she said, Oh, my Lord, little L, he's, she's speaking to Eli. Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you all those years ago and praying to the Lord, and this is what God did. She brings the new day as a testimony of truth, of the process of the revealed word of God that, notice this, guys, that broke the barrenness off, married to the worship of her heart. The worship and the intent of her heart was to break off the barrenness and, and, uh, and reveal God's desire in a new day, and that's exactly what happened. This is a child I prayed for. Therefore, I, sent, I, I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. Notice, as long as he lives, he will be lent to the Lord. So they worshiped there. Notice the, the, the numerous times that worship is, is brought back into it. But now this is a new expression of worship. I'm going to bring a man-child, if you will. I will bring that promised blessing. And now as a result of his presence... We're going to understand worship very different in the future. And so uh, let's, let's end with a few points now, because what I want to always make sure we do, remember, information and how inspiring a story is this. And I hope I brought some insight that you can carry with you, but there's got to be an impartation now. We've got to take something away from this. I want you to notice one other thing that happens immediately. Once that worship, they worship the Lord there, Look what happens. And Hannah begins to sing. Well, in my inscription in the Bible says Hannah's prayer. But in fact, she began to sing. In fact, it was a song. And when we get into David's life, you're going to look back and see this with a different understanding. Hannah prayed and she said, or sung, my Lord rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. That is a very different Hannah. Look at the rejoicing. Just do a word study of the word rejoice and find out what was going on in her heart. My heart rejoices in the Lord because I rejoice in your salvation. You know, uh, many times that word rejoice 
is born out of, out of the word shira, not shira as in song, but rejoice as in rina, a sustained, suspended, ringing shout that was coming out of her. And rejoice also speaks of what God speak, which says when he sings and rejoices. That singing rejoices means that he spins like a top with violent emotion. So this is not some weepy little girl hoping for something to happen in her future. This is one who has found a whole new understanding of life. She's carrying something that the generations are going to be blessed and benefit from. No one is holy like the Lord. No, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. No one. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord, you see what she's doing? She is prophesying to everybody. This is a child. She is prophesying to everybody with this. Talk no more so very proudly. She, not only did God give her a son, God has given her a voice that's shifting atmospheres and revelatory understanding. Watch, watch this. Talk no more. Come, uh, let no arrogance come out of your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Well, she's challenging the priesthood. She's challenging Israel. She's challenging the leadership. I don't think she is some sort of bold, aggressive, uh, you know, trying to dominate the, uh, win the argument. But the, the, bow, the, the bows of mighty men are broken. She starts prophesying to enemies of the future. Um, and those who stumble are girded with strength. Those who are full uh, have hired themselves out for bread. And, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. And on down to there it goes. And now I'm, I'm going to leave a bunch out for you there. But read this. Walk through this. Do word studies on this, this song of Hannah, we'll call it. It's, it's, it's a powerful and a beautiful magnificat, if you will. Think of Hannah, then think of Mary. Uh, for the strength by no man sh shall prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. From heaven, he's going to thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Now watch this, guys. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn. Did you hear me? He's going to give strength to a king, his king, and he's going to exalt the horn of his anointed. Could that be? Could that be? Now, I'm just, this is, you can put it in whatever category you want to. Insight, uh, information, whatever you want to. This woman is praying a prayer, singing a song, prophesying a truth. He's going to give strength to his king. There are no kings in Israel. See the prophetic nature of that? And exalted the horn of his anointed. Oh, Saul, I will remind you, was not anointed with a horn of oil. Saul was anointed with a vial of oil, a man-made fragile vessel. And we'll see the results of that anointing versus the anointing. It was a horn of oil. David was anointed with a horn of oil. And I wonder just how deep this beauty could have been to know that this woman out of the spontaneity of a spirit come fully alive, carried the truth and promises of God, begins to prophesy. She's carrying the little boy into the house of the Lord today and committing, presenting him as an expression of her worship. And he will be the one they will take a horn of oil and pour it upon David and change the world. It's a beautiful, powerful thing when you think about it. But anyway, let's, let, let, let me, let me end, end with this. Her desire for worship, her desire for a child had robbed her of her worship. And Hannah wanted to live in a place of worship. And so now she comes Rather than waiting until her child was 30 years old and putting him in the priesthood, she brings him as a child. And she says, I'll not give him later. I'm going to give him now. Because, she, because he is the dearest thing in her life. She gives him as an expression of worship. And everything she went to worship, every time she went to worship from that day forward, imagine this. The Bible, if you go on there, it says that that she would present a linen to keep him covered in the presence of the ministry and the, and the sometimes foulness of the priesthood and hierarchical uh, 
you know, all of that darkness that had entered into to Israel at that point. And, uh, and through Hophni and Phinehas and all those guys, every time she went to the Lord, she took a new linen robe that she had been making all year and presented that linen robe around that son that she had given unto the Lord. And what she was doing was representing, Lord, keep him pure. Keep this one pure. She never, notice something, she never again asked anything of God again. After that, she never asked anything. But even in, though she never asked, God gave her three sons and two daughters. And that is the number of grace. The byproduct of her prayer and devotion and worship became then a prophet that brought God's word to Israel and God's anointing to the kings that would come. Amazing and beautiful thing. God bless you guys. See you next time. Please ponder on this. Study, dig around. Love you. God bless you. All right. That's your first introduction to Ray Hughes. If you've never heard of him before. All right, that video I wanted to, that one I picked because of um, the, uh, on Sunday we talked about their, even the widow at this, First uh, Kings 17, the woman at the gate, that she was commanded by God, you know, according, he had told uh, Elijah, I've commanded a widow to provide for you, and, and I use that to say that there's, no matter where you're at, whether you think you're on top of the world or you think you're at the end of your rope, God may have commanded you to do a great thing and that you just got to figure out what's inside of you and give it to the Lord. And so I thought this was a good one to start with for Wednesday night as a follow-up to that from Hannah. But that's how we got here. Thoughts on the video? Yes, ma'am. Um, that's talking. That's referencing biblical numerology, um, and so that's a whole big topic, um, another topic. But um, uh, all through the Bible, there's uh, number references, and those numbers tend to coincide with a message. So I'm not good at numerology. Um, five being the number of grace, um, three being completion. No, seven. seven is completion. Seven is completion. There's eight is new beginnings. Eight is new beginnings. There's three. It's uh very prevalent in, in the Pentecostal realm. Her dad do, do, did a lot of that, but um, uh, I never really retained all that information. Uh, but it is pretty prevalent. You get a lot of it from um, a couple of the lost, like the lost or not lost books, so like Jubilee and some of the other ones. Yeah. Keep Thoughts of how this impacted you? How did this? How did this impact all of you, particularly the ladies? I'm sure this one was good for the ladies. How did this impact you of like what God has put inside of you to long for? And what is, what is something that God maybe, maybe inspired you tonight of like, what, what are you supposed to be crying out for and giving to the Lord? Shall I speak for the ladies? Okay. was the way that Hannah responded when she's like feeling really provoked by Penina and then her husband kind of adds to the insult and he's like aren't I better than ten sons and she sits quietly and she waits until the meal's over and then she, she gets up and she leaves and prays to the Lord and um, not that any disagreements or insult each other, but... He's not here tonight, don't worry. It was was just really, it was a healthy reminder, like, this is, this is a good way to handle conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. What else? What else we got? Um, One of the phrases he said is that her greatest desire was her greatest loss that was what was going to actually bring her into this promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. What else? What other thoughts we got? I felt like when she had the, like, 
know. It was like this relationship with the Lord that she could just go to him and ask her what she needed and cry out to him knowing that he would hear her and then she walked away like so confidently like that her countenance changed and she just believed in faith that the Lord would do what he promised to do and it was just like done. Yeah. I think that I think an important distinction that he made too was that it went from bitterness, uh, like a bitterness of soul and a worrying, yeah. to a she gave her cares to the Lord and entered into an, a praise, a worship, and then out of that, not out of the worry, but out of the worship, yeah. was the the breakthrough. Yeah. So, kind of teases out a little bit for me though, um, because I, I wrote some notes around that, and like I'm gonna have to sit with it because it. Clearly, because I'm like up here crying. It's like impacted me in very tremendous ways. But I thought you had allergies. What? I thought you had allergies. No, you know I didn't have allergies. allergies. That's why you had the nut tissue ready and waiting for me. Um, but like, I feel like though, it's, there's, there's going to be some nuanced language here. She does show up there, but it's like she didn't leave until she got her worship though. Like she didn't leave until like, even though Eli is not God, he like represents him at the time. Like there, there's a showing up. Like. She stayed in it until mm-hmm. until he showed up, until she got it, and like, um, and she didn't move until she got her worship. And I know, I, and I don't want to like what he says is always right. Like he is just he tremendously is. What line? Where are you speaking of a particular line? Um, well, when, down here when he talks about like, uh, it's the whole section. I'm, I'm looking at from twelve one twelve all the way to eighteen. So she's like speaking with her mouth, uh, mm-hmm. and Eli is like watching her, and then you know, that whole interaction that Ray goes over. And then it says, then he gives her this word, and so he's representing the Lord. So like she stayed in it. Um, yeah, she was I, called a drunk. She she yeah. could have been deterred. She yeah. could have been she put stayed, away. And just spiritually, she stays in this. Like so, even beyond just that, like could have been deterred, all that. But like she just stays in it. So I wanted this to work also with everything he's saying, because like I said, what he's saying is is. I don't. Absolutely. It doesn't go against what he's yeah, saying. Yeah. Okay. So like she doesn't move though until her worship's restored. Like he yeah. says that she goes on to worship, which is true. But it's like there's like that beautiful thing of like. Um, she pressed in. Yeah, she pressed in, and she didn't move until she got the worship, and then the worship is what brings yeah. about all this other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the Gentile woman being referred to as a dog, and she's like, "I'm gonna see this through, Jesus," and and you know he's calling her a drunk because she's praying, and like there's this there's there's Actually, there's countless moments in the Bible of people that get to breakthrough that they have a reason to walk away before they get to that breakthrough. And like, and, and she just, uh, you know, because he, I think it's because Ray did such a good job of emotionally bringing, like I've, you know, and maybe it's just, again, there's a grace on this story right now. Like I've read this a million times. I love it. But like he's, or maybe it was just this moment, somehow connecting with where she was emotionally, like this is that place, that lowest place, and she didn't move until she got her worship. And, like, then yeah. she changed the course of history. Like, this is, I'm going to sit with this for, for days now, but, like, she then changes the course of history um, because she didn't, like, she didn't move from it until she got him. And, like, I just had this moment of, like, how many times, and so this is more personal, like, we just move when we're in this funk and we just get enough just to get out of the funk. But, like, she stayed in it until her worship came back. Yeah. yeah. She stayed in it for probably eight or nine years. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got everything she went through, um, it wasn't wasted. Because she sat and waited in the worship, everything hard she had been through was redeemed yeah. and used. I mean, it's, it's, it's super cool when you realize that you can be in one of the hardest seasons of life, but if you turn to God in, in, in worship and sit and wait, and his glory to show up, and he sees your heart that he's gonna he's gonna honor all of it, and none of it's ever gonna be wasted. Yeah. How about the part where, um, how about the part where he said he likened her like the showing up with the uh, the other lady had you know showing off the sons, and he yeah. kind of likened it to yeah. showing up at a place you've been on <laughs> for a while, and Jimmy Bob's like. Yeah, God's doing pouring out the blessings on all of us, and everything's doing great, and everything looks flashy, and everything looks good, and you're sitting over here feeling like, as he said, you you always qualify for the battle, but never qualify for the for the, the victory blessing. for the blessing. Yeah. How does how does, how do people feel about that? How do you feel? I mean, does that strike a chord with anybody? I felt like maybe that would. 
with some folks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's always the the, the the easy thing is to judge the situation. Particularly at that time, they would have believed that they would have most likely believed that God was judging her for yeah. not. And it does say the Lord had closed her womb. So there you go. But um, I think it's easy for us. And like he made a good connection there of, of making it a more like modern personal connection of like it is easy for us to show up when. We have some things going for us, but not all the things we believe in our heart to be this should be going for us, or we feel like they're supposed to be one day going. To see other people um, and see how well their lives, at least when they present them, how well it looks to be going, um, and then just to, you know really feel like next to nothing. Um, but it's it's um, that's a real common feeling that many people experience throughout life in all ways, and 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 honestly. I think the only thing I wanted to say about that was if you do experience that, I think, I think a real healthy reminder is most people have trained themselves and or have been trained to always put that front on. And you never know if it's true or not. Like, you never know if it's true or not. You never know if Facebook, I mean, I, I swear to God, to the good Lord above, I have counseled failing marriages and seen them on Facebook like, just giving a shout out to my great hubby. And I'm just like, you wanted to divorce him yesterday. Like, <laughs> like that is not real. <laughs> and, I, and then I counsel other people who are just like, I mean, my life's in shambles. I look online and everybody, they got the clean house and the kids are in order. And, I, and I'm just like, you don't know what their counseling session's like. And then, and it's just this vicious, like, yeah. um, this front thing that people put up. And, and, in, and at the end of the day, None of it matters because the only thing that matters is, is what is the thing that God put in you? What is this? What is the seed that he put in you to carry? What is the dream he put in you? What is the thing that he put in you to be for him on this earth? I spoke uh, a few weeks back of, um, uh, I, I, I did my uncle's funeral and he was just this phenomenal historian and carry, carrier of the story. Like he carried the story of our people he carried the story of the land we came from like when you talk to him you talked to 10 generations like you really stepped back in time because he carried and he had such an anointing to do it that it had to be a god-given thing and i just like he knew what he was made to do and he did it well and i encouraged everybody go to god figure out what it is that you were put on this earth for it doesn't have to be grand it doesn't have to be big it doesn't have to be Samuel, the great prophet. It can be lots of things. It can be anything. But it's something. God puts something in you. And here's the thing that I've learned. Is that uh, that something might not be easy. It might not be cheap. It might cost you everything to bring it to the surface and to see it till it's old enough to give back to God as she did. But nothing in you will feel complete until you figure it out. And that's why I push that topic a lot here and there with people, is there is something very unique and special about the salvation that God is giving you, and you have to tap into it. It's not a cookie-cutter, you know, evangelical idea of we're all going to do the same thing with the same plan and get the same results. And it's, it's, There's something special in all of us, and it's unique, and it's beautiful, and it's awesome. And it's only in a raw depth of honesty in our soul, like Hannah in this story, where we get sick and tired of being sick and tired, that we get real with God and we speak and we begin to speak with a real, honest prayer. The, 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 the beautiful liturgical prayers, like we don't even do that here. But um, I never do that. I never, I've, since I've been in full-time ministry, I've never prayed like that because I know that it deters people from their own honest prayers. People, I heard for too many years, I heard people say, I can't pray. I don't pray like that. Well, that prayer is not moving a mountain. This woman who sounds like she's drunk to the priest is moving a mountain. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that real honest, there's something in me that hasn't come out yet, and I'm not 
leaving until that comes to pass. That's, that's what we're talking about tonight is, have we wrestled with the emotions of seeing the front that other people put up? Yeah. I, you know, I, I reference a lot the church planning thing uh, because the, I felt like the thing inside of me was to get to this point in life where I'm starting, starting church and leading people and all that. But at the church planning thing, it'd be easy to listen to like these speakers. They're like, yeah, we could, same thing. We got 10 campuses going and 10,000 people and we're feeding the hungry and the 10,000 to pour. But then in another session, that same dude is talking about how he ran himself literally to the grave where he, the, he preached until he was literally locking his elbows on the podium because he had these crazy ulcers and worms just eating him up inside like this crazy parasites killing him and, and they literally he collapsed and they just had to take him out of ministry until they could get himself straight yeah 10 camps does sound real good so you realize the dude killed himself doing it because it probably wasn't graced by god to get there you know like everything's not what it appears they can show that on the front but that's not the underline and so we often miss that what's inside of us might be more important like eli just so you know, this, this priest, Eli, who's going to, you know, finally not give, not when she won't relent and she's insisting on being blessed, like that dude's raising two awful kids. Yeah. He's raising two awful kids who aren't yeah. qualified to be the next men of God. But Hannah, the less glorious, the judged, the downtrodden, she has something real in her heart and she's not leaving until it comes out. And it becomes the conduit of everything. She brings forth Samuel, who brings forth David. David, it, we call Jesus the son of David. Yeah. Like, it, there's a whole beautiful thing born out of this barren woman's passionate cry for the Lord. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So now, what are your thoughts? Yes, ma'am. And in that culture, he, the son would have been her hope for survival if her husband died before she did. And if he served in the priesthood, he couldn't have taken care of her. So she gave everything, even her future to God, in that moment. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I thought it was interesting when uh, he said that, uh, that uh, her husband gave her a double portion because he loved her. Yeah. And how uh, he had talked about, like, the, you know, you can do these things and you, you can be productive, but it's not really stewarding anything, you know. And I think a lot of times, like, I've seen a lot of people who um, have had, you know, have great ministries and everything, and, and um, but to me it's felt like they've, they've just wanted to reproduce something rather than to actually steward something well. And and have it birth something new yeah. to change a lot of people's lives. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting, like how he how he connected like the productivity versus like the actual real relational love. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like the the thing that popped into my head is we can get so busy that we want to do things for God that we actually miss yes. um, the walk that He invites us on. Yeah, true that. You know how you said um, finding the thing inside of you? Just uh, this is probably just super obvious, but it, it like she clearly had that thing inside of her that she was to birth Samuel. I mean, yeah, Samuel. You know what I mean? Like she, she like that was her thing. I mean, I know she went on to birth other kids, and she was probably a lovely mother. But like, like as he Ray just pointed out, like she stewarded, and even her song. Like I, I'm just looking at her song so differently after hearing his. But like. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, that was her thing. Like, that was the thing inside of her. Was yeah. to birth him. That's a pretty good thing. Yeah. That's a really good thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a really good thing. And, I mean, he already pointed it out. Um, but I was reading ahead of him before he got to it, and it was the first time I'd ever noticed, and he will give strength to his king, and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. Like, it just, yeah. as a little side note, it, like, 
it makes it even, it just makes it exciting to continually read. Because I've read that a bunch of times, but I never made the connection that. I never went, huh, they that, don't have kings that yet. there were no kings yeah, yet. Yeah, I just, I just didn't make the connection, even though I knew that we were talking about Eli the priest. Yeah. I knew what was going on. And then Saul theocracy. would not be anointed with the horn. Yeah, yeah, I just That's thought that was really cool. awesome. It was also like, like, God like held out so that like if, if she had had children like everyone else, would it have been that precious? You know what I mean? Like it was like it because of the barrenness, it yeah. became this like precious gift that like the timing in that it had to happen that way. Or else it wouldn't have been the pressure. It needed the pressure. Yeah. The build up. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. Miss Amy, did you have something you wanted to say? In my mind, gets ganged up on or like gets called out. Like I'm always like, oh, but what about this? Like she has so much trauma, and like she didn't have that love of her husband. But like the difference between the two women that like God spoke to me about was like Penina sat in her trauma and her trials, and she didn't let that form her into a different person or like bring it to God. Where Hannah like very clearly brought all of her trauma and her like trials to God and then she walked away and like left it with God yeah. to like sit with so well I hear you and, I, and like when you said it didn't sit well the way he was talking about her um, it becomes a tricky topic but some you know sometimes these these names and things they mean things and these storylines like are too like diss him either right well it's not him he's just reading the bible he's just telling you what the words mean well, he definitely <laughs> Okay, well, so well, so I'm just pointing out that um, you'll if you if you listen to somebody who knows the names all really well, you will notice a really alarming theme that every story in the Old Testament the names mean something and they point to the character's purpose in the story, and so it gets into it's not as personal as I think you may have made it as much as it's pointing to the story the message that's trying these are these are. These are story form certain messages, right? Every there's a lot of like light. You're supposed to be able to live by these the meanings in these stories, and so it's 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 kind of veiled, but it's super obviously veiled. Like it's it's always in the names. It's always the city's names mean something, and the names of the people mean something, and and it always points to this really. And so like, you know, we just open a name a book book of names, and we pick a name for kids now. Like it's. It's not like it's not like it's all. I'm not saying you did. I'm saying people do, and yeah. saying but. And I have to assume that to some degree they did that then too. But as far as when it got into this book, each name of each character is telling a story, and they were really methodical about how they wrote and told their stories. So, I understand what you're saying, but it's probably not quite as personal as much as it's making. It is maybe trying to make a point, which is a common common thing in Hebrew literature, um, is they'll often have characters like. Esau, like he, he doesn't seem like he, he seems like he really got the short end of this stick, but it's kind of telling a story that's trying to present a message. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not as personal as it seems sometimes for the people who seem for no reason whatsoever get the short end of the stick. I mean, the story is relevant, you know, relevant today because Benino had everything, but yet was vacant, I guess, or empty. And Hannah didn't have, she was barren, she didn't have anything, but, but she, apparently was graced with a lot of wonderful things yeah. that Penina didn't have. If you're viewing it allegorically, it's right. super relevant to right. uh, to everything today. So even though, like, I, so I always I always love, Amy, your heart and all that, too, because, like, we were in line with I'm looking at the trauma, but the way I always read it was that he loved Hannah more because of who Hannah was. Right. Not because um, it was, like, destiny for him to love her and not love her. It was because um, he was in love with the, the, her love of the Lord and Panaya, and you already eloquently said it. Like Panaya didn't take that. Like oh, we know he's the God that gives us all this sort of equal opportunity, but Panaya um, settled for her outward, whatever. Like her, all of her children, and all this stuff, but she didn't go for the the deeper things of the Lord. And so, like that was where the deeper love that Elkaniah had for her, for Hannah. I don't know. She went for the temp. She went for the temporary, and Hannah went for the eternal. Yeah. When you said that word, like when she settled, that just like 
I was thinking, just pondering over those things about like wanting that outward blessing and like praying for that and like and like I said with timing, it's like if you always feel like you're the one that gets what did he say the battle and not the blessing qualified yes. for the battle qualified but not the blessing. For the battle, but it's not the like, blessing. Do you really want it now and miss out on that like journey with the Lord and miss out on that closeness and that special thing inside of you? Or do you really just want the outward blessing? Like, I feel like if you are praying for this and like you're not getting it yet, then maybe God's like wanting to do something special. Like he wants some closeness with you or he wants to do something. You know what I mean? Like Mm. before you get that outward thing and that you're asking for, like maybe there's something else that God wants to do like first for the Lord. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the times, that's the stuff we yeah. learn. Because if you get the miracle, you don't, you don't learn what you would have learned on yeah. the, our journey. Are you missed out? Like, you get an outward thing, and it's not really about that. Yeah. What else? What else are we thinking? How did y'all like Ray Hughes as a Bible study, as a videos for Bible study night. No. It was going to be good once I saw his mustache. Yeah. I um he is obviously like Matt introduced me to him and then we actually got to meet him when we went to Carolina for this thing and like he is someone who changed my life because one time he said you, you know, when you're worshiping, you need to be worshiping, like, singing to God, not singing about him. And that seems, like, so simple and so obvious, but it, like, changed everything. Like, yeah. it just changed everything. Like, I'm singing to him and not singing about him. But, like, I love it because he's not, like, trying to... He's, like, the funniest guy, and there's just... And I love how, like, you know he would have said that to that person who's like, I have 12 campuses and I have all this. And he's like, well, I got my brakes fixed. <laughs> Feeling really good about that. And I feel like that's one of the more inspiring things. He has like this really deep revelatory stuff around worship and he can change your life, but there's nothing boisterous about him. Mm-hmm. There's no, like he'll that's say these, like. like I know I have to go back and rewatch it because like, I'm like, well, I've got seven notes here and there are about 40 things I wanted to write down. <laughs> and I think that's what it is. He's dense, but in a way that, um, it just takes layers similar to scripture, like just going back and listening to it. Yeah. I'm going to like sit in a room with him with like a fire going like he's my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he offers that service. <laughs> I, yeah, it would be great. But if you guys like these videos, then we can, you can, you can hang out with Ray by his fire every Wednesday. Yeah. So, all right, cool. Let's. Well, Jesus, we just ask that you take these these <coughs> words of wisdom from Mr. Ray Hughes, Lord Jesus, and just help us dream, help us read your word, and just think outside the box and dream big with you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to write your words on our heart. Let us dream about what our purpose, what, what seed have you put in our heart to steward for you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.